Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Love that sound. This is a good one. All right, welcome everybody to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. Uh, so apparently, this is a week of technological issues. My, my last guest, we had to redo because I had a corrupt uh, card or corrupt file when I went to podcast that there to put it together and this time around i can't even blame anything technological other than my own dumb self as i had clicked the wrong <laughs> channel for recording thankfully we'd only been talking for 15 minutes i will say though it was 15 minutes of podcast gold so um <laughs> my apologies to eugene uh we will go through this again uh feel no responsibility to abbreviate what you had. I thought it was everything you said was great. Uh, so we're just going to get right back into it. I'm here with Gene Campbell and uh, got connected with him. Uh, so a shout out to my buddy, Jason Cushlin, who uh, he was putting in an order with this group called NACO. They have like tungsten jigs and stuff like that. He said, it's a really good price. I looked at it and I was like, damn, that is a really good price. Um, I'm in, I want to put in an order. So gave him my list. You sent me an email for the invoice, got connected to you. Honestly, don't remember even how it came up as far as like podcasting part. But once I kind of figured out or you have your own podcast, you're, you're a professional bass angler or a tournament angler anyways. And I was like, wow, we have a lot to talk about. So with that lead in <laughs> part two, go ahead and give people your, uh, your kind of your bio. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so basically my bio, I'm a competitive bass angler. Uh, fish uh, primarily focused on the MLF uh, Big Five series right now. Um, we're staying at the BFL level. 
uh, just uh, it's a more cost effective. And until I prove I can put results up, I don't want to go just hand over seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars on the Bass Opens or the uh, Toyota Series just yet. So once I feel comfortable, we'll we'll make that move there. But the majority of our time is spent with GC Fishing LLC, which is deviated uh, uh, as True Patriot Outfitters. Um, we work with nonprofits for advertising promotion, that sort of thing. Um, and we work with nonprofits that deal with uh, providing veteran support services, first responder support services, and uh, those very same services to Gold Star families. Um, we do this all under the, the realm of recreational therapy, obviously hunting, fishing, uh, our new area that uh, we're excited about, our kayak uh, fishing that we're going to be opening into. Um, any of these alternative, you know, uh, modes to help folks deal with PTSD, help them deal with anxiety, depression, uh, general focus, things of that nature. Um, we, we realized the impact it had. We wanted, we knew this is something that we could, uh, uh, could absolutely fit and fill a need uh, in that area. Um, I spent 23 years in the IT industry, um, roughly. Most of it in management of some sort or another, and most of which that was all in government IT. Oh, so you, so you have been listening to our conversations. That's what you're, you're government IT. I see. I see how the, I see where this is going. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, I didn't have that cool of a job. <laughs> no, no, I uh, I listened to Corn Grow at the USDA, and <laughs> I suppose your wife's and, name is Alexa too. <laughs> as far as you're concerned, maybe, yeah. That's it. <laughs> No, the, uh, yes, spent that time there and uh, also did a little stint with some financial world prior to that. Um, and uh, ultimately, you know, came to the realization throughout, uh, throughout the career that you can be good at something, but yet still not love it uh, or not like it. And that was really where we had, we had ended up. Um, what led us, you know, into this pathway here was, was pretty simple is, is that I, I had been competitively fishing for about five, six years, doing like most of, most of us do out there, having my normal job, competitively fishing, thinking and dreaming about competing at a higher level. How do you do this for a living? You know? And uh, uh, thankfully, I'm not uh, young in years. I am definitely a little more seasoned. I turned 50 this year, um, and I do have a background in, uh, in business. And so I tried to approach this whole piece with how do I get to that doing this for a living thing from the business side. And I was able to, to not let the doc talk overrun me. Um, in my opinion, and I try to give this advice to as many people as I can, you know, that, that want to ask the question. And that is, you know, how do you, how do you get to doing this for a living? First off is don't, don't buy into what the book says. Um, you know, the, the book will tell you you're supposed to, you know, fish at this level. And then once you have success, then then you can move up to that level and then you can have success there. And until you have that success, you then you, you know, can move up to the next level. The fact of the matter is um, that's best for the for the people getting those checks from you. I mean, that's in this sport. Uh, I don't care. I have loyalty to many brands, many, many organizations, but I don't care who you are. This sport is just overly too expensive everything about it Oof, you, you ain't look, wrong about that you look at the cost of gear you look at the cost of bass boats you look at the cost of, of entry fee it has followed in line with i'll give them that they followed inflation over the last you know 15 20 years 
Um, the problem is our incomes have not. <laughs> so yeah, right. Somehow we've just been accepting of the fact that, you know, six digits for a bass boat is just, that's good quality. You, How much of the devil's lettuce do you got to smoke to say that that is an okay deal? I don't know, man. But the answer is all of it. Exactly. Every bit you can find. The entire yeah, state of Colorado's worth. And that's I mean, my, a lot. My, right, right. And that's, you know, there are still homes out there that go for less than that. You know, in Isn't some that markets. crazy? It's, that's just crazy. It's few and far between, but there are still homes that you can buy for less than a bass boat. Yeah, I'm right behind um, you, by the way, in age. I'll, I'll turn 49 in May, so. Hey, there you go. Well, I might, yeah, I know. might, that may still catch you yet. We'll still right on, <laughs> right on your heels. <laughs> you know, that's one race I'm okay with losing. <laughs> But uh, it's, yeah. it's interesting the way you walk through, like, you know, uh, with the dog talk and stuff, because that yeah. those are the conversations that you have in your head as far as, like, when you're – basically you're talking yourself out of doing something you really want to do. And I got yeah. into – I got into competitive bass fishing uh, pretty late in the game too. Um, and then for mine, like, the barrier for entry for me was, like, I didn't feel like I had a good enough boat. Well, and to be honest, I didn't. I mean, I was running around with a 14-foot – you know, a Lumacraft with the 15 horse on it. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm MacGyvering a transom mounter on the bow so I can put my foot <laughs> on the head and turn it. And like, I mean, whatever. I mean, you know, I, I, yep. I did it. And I always played with the fantasy of like, I need to join one of these tournaments. And then if I win it on this, then I'll have a new boat. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Okay, dude, there's no way you're going to compete at that level. But what I didn't know, and I've brought up on this podcast before, is that there is a thing called a co-angler or a non-boater. Now, had I yep. have known that, I would have, I'd be way further advanced than where I am now. Because, I mean, how much knowledge did I leave on the table by not, by, by letting this barrier of not having my own good enough boat, in air quotes, to, yep. to fish uh, competitively. Anyways, that, that's tangent is neither here nor there, but I got no, into it late. Very... And, and it's that, but it, going back to your point about um there you don't there's no like these aren't hard and fast rules there's no constitution nope. of of professional or competitive bass angling like just do it and that's kind of what yeah. I, that's kind of where i'm at right now too and and i want to get into more you know and i like doing the club thing and i just like the camaraderie of the club and i kind of don't want to really i don't really want to stop doing that right. and but with that said i also want to get into some of these other these other leagues, you know, and, and it's just, it's pay to play. And that's, that's the tricky it, part. <laughs> it, it is. And, and the piece that we discovered that really set me free and helped put uh, things into motion for us is that remember fishing professionally. Number one, you know, there's a lot of articles going on. Bass resources put out a ton of articles on this wired to fish is put out. What is a professional angler? Um, is it somebody that competes at the pro level to some people? That's what a pro angler is to others. A pro angler is somebody who derives the majority of their income from fishing. Right. So regardless of your, of your definition as to what uh, being a pro pro angler is, remember the fishing at the pro level is not, that's not the, the key factor that puts the catalyst that puts us all together. Doing this full time is what allows for that, because in my personal opinion, even to compete at the Bass Open level or the AAAs, 
uh, of like the Toyota series. Uh, if you want to compete at that level, you need to understand that at least half that field, maybe more nowadays, this is all they do. So they have a very large amount of time that they're spending on the water. Right. You know, now there are many, you know, people out there that still, yes, they have a normal job that they still work that, but they're committing a tremendous amount of money, um, you know, with not a great amount of payback involved on these things, you know, for a chance to go, you know, dance the, the big show. But that in and of itself, as I said before, that benefits the people that are receiving the checks. That doesn't get you any closer to what you want to what you want to do. So it, it was a, just an apple and an oranges and it was putting, you know, the cart behind the horses that helped lead us on the path that we needed to get on. And yes, I fish at the BFL level. And uh, the other day, my entire day's to-do list that I had was basically I was building jigs. I was stringing up rods and reels. Um, and that was a solid day's work for me. And I don't know how long we can keep this up, but, <laughs> but we're going to, we're going to drive this thing to the wheels blow off of it. <laughs> Love it. So, I, like that. I like that mentality though. Yep. And that's uh, you know, that's, that is basically what we were trying to get to. Obviously you have to have service, um, you know, related, um, you know, areas, uh, many avenues uh, and revenues uh, or sources of revenue uh, is, is needed to, to bring these together. And to be honest with you, you just got to be, in my personal opinion, right now, the way our industry lines up, you got to be in the right place at the right time. Um, I'm very fortunate that my wife is very successful and has been able to put us in a position to allow me to chase this small business, um, you know, for a couple of years here to take a swat at it. Mm-hmm. But sooner or later, I don't want to be, you know, a wart on the side of our checkbook. Right. You know I mean, sooner or later, I want to make sure that this business is is doing what it needs to do. So, yeah, this, you know, that seems to be a common theme in professional angling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's the key? Is. Having a having a partner with a yeah. <laughs> good employment. <laughs> but if you talk to the funny thing is, though, is if you talk to most small business owners, it's very similar. Yes. Oh, for you know, sure. It's, yeah. it, it's a small business at the end of the day. Correct. And that's really the, you know, the approach you got to look at it. It just so happens that sometimes your days will be, you know, stringing up 30 rods and reels. Well, I think, um, I that, think it, it gets a little, um, I think because it's fishing, right? I think there's this kind of, I won't say it, yep. a mental block, but there's a, um, a stigma around it that fishing is a yep. pastime. It's a hobby. And so like outside looking in, people don't really give it uh, validity as a legit source of income, but they're, it's a right. billion dollar industry. Like it, like literally billions of dollars. So um, yeah. it's like you said, any other small business, if, if the same dynamic led somebody to start a construction business and get it rolling until their name got out there, nobody would bat an eye at that. Nope. As they were just like, oh, well, that's good that you had that opportunity and it'll get up and running. But if you say, oh, I'm doing this to make fishing my full-time job, sure. then, you know, then it kind of gets laughed at a little bit. But it, it's the same. You go at it with the business mindset, it's the same thing. Well, you know, and it, it led to the, the second piece here in the, the last chapter in, the, in this little bio piece here is that uh, I spent five, six years trying to create a business model where – fishing even at the professional level was a profitable uh venture and i can tell you uh you know i'm not 
I'm not some idiot savant by any measure. Um, I have a few degrees, but I'm not, you know, sometimes I'm not the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree. <laughs> but I can tell you, I spent five, six years trying to find a way to create a model that said this was sustainable. And I couldn't come up with one um, because every year my model would get changed because of the cost of the industry just continued to rise and rise. And a, a $65,000 loaded out boat became 74000 literally in a 12-month span of time. And I'm thinking, okay, blame what you want to blame on this, but what in the sandhill is going on here? How do, you, how do you compete with this? How do you make a business model off of this? And I couldn't find one. And so it just, it took extra long for us to realize, you know, that we were going to, that that fishing piece is going to have to cover itself. If I'm not winning enough to enter into the next level, then I'm not getting in the next level. And that's that. Um, and I'm okay with that. That this, you know, that was, that was, a, that was all right. We knew that we needed to have something in this business that, that number one made a difference. I coached for many years. Um, uh, did some uh, some first responder work with Loma County Dive Rescue Team for a few years, and I started realizing that man, when I look back, all the the, the times that I felt the most proud or had the best accomplishments were were in my volunteer years. Had nothing to do with my career, you know. <laughs> and so it's like that service piece. That's that's at the heart of what we're trying to do. And so we started exploring. We come up with our model, which was to provide those advertising promotion services to nonprofits. Um, there's a funny thing that nonprofits can't advertise without risk of getting uh, tagged with uh, like corporate level taxes on these donations that come to them. And so we realized, hey, you know what? We could probably be that buffer for them. It's not them saying it. We're just happening. Hey, did you uh, know that, you know, sure. uh, John Doe Construction over here supports local veterans so forth by the work they do with, you know, several of these nonprofits that we work with. And by me having a for-profit organization, it kind of allowed, you know, me to speak, you know, about these other companies and give them the proper recognition that they deserve for supporting, you know, these nonprofits out there. And it protected and kept the nonprofits out of, you know, any hot water. Plus, to be honest with you, they have their services they're working on. Advertising promotion is, is not something that they had a lot of time for. So it, it kind of brought us to that. Next thing you know, we're, we're working with uh, about four different nonprofits that all work in the recreational therapy area, but they kind of do their own, you know, they have their own little sectors that they, they specialize in. Each one of them kind of blends into the other a little bit, but their primary focus is in a different area. And so it worked out really well. One of them um, we really connected with uh, right, out the, right out the gates. Um, and then after several months of considering it, talking and looking things over, we decided to uh, join on board with them. So now I, uh, along with owning the True Patriot Outfitters, I'm also the regional uh, program manager for outdoor events for the Romans Warrior Foundation. Um, they provide these retreat hunting fishing services nationwide. Uh, their primary focus, however, is in the area of taking the Global War on Terror Wall of Remembrance wall around the country. Uh, we take this to municipalities, to, to larger areas through donations, and uh, we set these, this monument up. And so, yeah, that uh, that's basically kind of where where we got all this at. The podcast we have, it, it was another way, another avenue that we can bring more awareness to the nonprofits. 
Um, I generally, I was, generally, I definitely have to get you hooked up with uh, with my buddy Tony Testing with uh, Hometown Heroes Outdoors. It looks like you guys do a lot of yeah. the same. There's a lot of crossover going there. Um, Perfect. Be a great guest for your podcast, uh, but I feel like there's also some room there to to work professionally too. Heck yeah, yeah. I mean that's and that's really the key. The the thing that I, I that I have zero problem. I would follow Brian Romans uh, into pretty much the seven levels. <laughs> um, based off of number one, a gut feeling from the day I met him, but number two, just the more I learned about, uh, who he is as a person, um, he's a Marine, uh, retired from active duty, um, that started this, this whole piece here. He had a situation in his life, uh, create a calling for him. Uh, so he's, uh, he has turned into that, but he and I complete each other's sentences when we both had the mentality, uh, two areas that we fell right lock and step with and that was number one uh, we're not here so that you know brian and gene and the rest of the board members of the romans warrior can end up uh going to cabo you know next week there's not a single person on this you know this board that is collecting a, a salary of some kind um and that is because we you know uh, we are at a stage where these these monies and donations that come in they are going to the services that we provide and that's where it's going to you know that that is exactly where it's going to stay um, we're here to serve others and that is the focus now the problem with that <laughs> and he and i both when i interviewed brian for my podcast he said these very same things and i'm thinking oh my lord we're we're having the same dreams there it's a really bad business model <laughs> because how do you stay solvent you know through this whole piece here that's currently where I'm at, but it's, there is a faith to this. And it's, it's kind of funny for me because I'm, I'm, I'm not personally a, you know, based very heavy in faith, um, in the traditional sense, but I can tell you that I'm, I, I, I do believe in, uh, you know, uh, definitely things in, in play that are beyond our understanding out there. And that's really what we are going to work with for these next 12 months is we are staying heavily focused on the services we're providing, increasing that, reaching as many people that we can, working with as many of these nonprofits that are out there that are good nonprofits, they're working hard with good people behind them and providing needed services to, to America's warriors and heroes out there. We're going to stay focused there. And the belief structure is that this is going to come back around uh, somewhere, somehow, you know, we're going to see this. Now, for me, a little bit different. I do have the competitive fishing side. So I have avenues for companies to join on board and support me on the fishing piece. Um, and that would be great, you know, if, if we could do that. Uh, but we're, we're, you know, we're not pushing any situation there. Uh, I've, I've, I know enough guys in the industry and I've been around the block long enough to know those, those type of deals don't happen because of a fancy marketing line. They happen because of a relationship that you have. And that's, uh, that's, you know, the trick right. is how do you form those relationships, you know? So mm -hmm. Yeah. And we figure share our mission as much as we can. And sooner or later, somebody's going to bite. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> and that, you know, this term gets thrown around a lot and it's kind of become a, a joke in and of itself, but that, you know, these relationships that start organically, um, I hate that term as much as the next guy, but sometimes it just fits, right? I mean, you, you make yep. these connections and it's this networking thing too. Um, you know, I met you through a buddy, through fishing and hunting. I've had him on the podcast, and now we're having a podcast. And, and you know, and who knows, hopefully I make a connection with you and HHO. And, and these tendrils just keep branching off and spreading out and creating this network. 
um, throughout everything. And, and that's, that's the way to do it. And as a, as a point to, you know, the, the other cliche you hear and people are like, well, I want to get started in a business in the outdoors. How do you do it? And I've heard this said to me a million times and it didn't, I didn't really know what it meant. Um, but it's just start doing it, you know, and it sounds so easy and it's, and it's not, but you do just have to start doing it. And right. with my own example, it's like, I was in that same place. Like, how do I get this started? How do I do this? How do I do that? I literally said, I'm just going to start doing it. First podcast was just me rambling. I put it out there. Next thing you know, this person said, sure, I'll be a guest. This person said, sure, I'll be a guest. And your network grows. And then next thing you know, you're doing it. Next thing you know, three years down the road, you're doing it. So <laughs> the, the, people, the thing people don't tell you is that how do you get in this industry? Well, you just start doing it. You just start doing it. But know that just because you started doing it doesn't mean you're going to be successful. Doesn't mean it's just going to um, take off. I think we just got disconnected. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is a this is a uh, the week of technological barriers. Go ahead, <laughs> or Gene. <laughs> yeah, not sure what happened. Yeah, there. I said this is a week of technological issues. It's just how it's going to go. <laughs> um, thankfully, I was kind of on my own rant, so it didn't really matter. Uh, Perfect. But yeah, I just kind of finished up my own my sentence here. We'll just leave all that in there. I'm not going to edit that. <laughs> point point is is that you, you know you, you do it, and but with that, yep. know that it's not. That doesn't mean it's just going to boom take off. Like you still have to put in the work. <laughs> you have to keep grinding. But these these the network, these meeting these people and finding like minded people, that's where that's where the gold is. That's where the sweet spot is. That's where the magic happens. But with that with that said. Not everybody you meet in the industry no. is going to meld with your with your direction, you know. So no. it's 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 picking those relationships when they come across and um, taking you know it's like um, you have to continue to put yourself in a place to take advantage when fate comes your way, if you will, for lack of better terms. That's, you know, to use that's the key. Yeah, to use bass fishing terminology. I remember when um, Ike and Ellie was fishing for MLF and they were in northern Minnesota and that season he, he was struggling he was he hadn't won any you know he was just and he just kept grinding kept grinding and then he finally won one I believe it was on Trout Lake I could be wrong but I think it was on Trout anyways that doesn't matter um but in his like his interview he's like you know that's the mentality you just got to keep putting yourself in a position to like get lucky or just to take advantage of it when it goes your way and it went yeah. his, and, and it went his way and that and that can be applied to anything anything in life like you just you got to put in the work and then be ready to take advantage of it when that door cracks open a little bit well you know and that's i coach sports for uh, youth sports uh, from fourth grade all the way up to, to varsity for about 18 years and i can tell you um one of the lessons that i try to always teach is that that very lesson that you just spoke about right there one of the best examples in sports history uh was richard petty um there's probably you're going to find very few sports where there's a bigger gap between first and second than in NASCAR. Richard Petty has some over, I believe, uh, literally right at 200 career victories at a major level. I think the next closest guy to him is like 105. Um, and when they asked the king, you know, how, how how is this possible? You know, what what have you done? He basically flat out said, he goes, I I knew many of those races I got in. I wasn't the fastest car, but the bottom line is. 
I knew that the last five laps of every race, I'm never going to have a chance to win if I'm not there. So first step is get there. Put yourself in a position to win. That's right. Um, and then let things kind of, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of factors you can control, but then there's an equal number of factors you can't control. So being able to capitalize, you know, when that time happens, uh, I can tell you personally, this business has evolved and literally, I know that there's more evolution of it coming. Uh, this latest by us joining on board and locking shields with Romans warrior, I think is just another, another stage in that evolution. Um, for us, all of our veteran support uh, services now channel through the Romans Warrior. The only thing that the True Patriot Outfitters provides now is the advertising promotional stuff on the fishing side and uh, also those advertising promotions for the other nonprofits we still work with. Um, and so it's just, it's it made good sense at that point. That is not by design. I would love to say that, yeah, I knew this you know, <laughs> a year ago. That's how I was going to do this. Hell no. <laughs> no, the fact of the matter is you know it, it got planted in my head um truth be told brian kind of hinted at you know asking me to join his board of directors and i thought my first was man what an honor that this guy would ask me but then i was like but man would that put me at kind of odds with the other nonprofits? you know would i would i be able to split my time there after talking with brian further he has no desire to compete with any other nonprofit. he doesn't care where the service comes from if we can serve a part in providing the services to these guys that's what brian cares about and that's at the heart of the romans warrior foundation and when i hear you know when you hear this coming from guys like you know how can you not be willing to you know stand right side by side with this guy yeah, and sure. take on anything that comes your way it's like yeah i'm i'm there with you man yeah absolutely so you know as time went on it, it just kind of evolved itself to that and uh now i find myself a very very proud a member of the team at the you know, RWF and we're, we're evolving RWF every day. You know, we're into new areas and things that we can, we can look into. We lean on each other quite a bit. I bounce stuff off of them. Brian asked me questions, you know, and uh, it's just a, it's a huge, huge ship that we are directing, you know, in, in one direction there. And that's, it's a cool thing to be a part of that for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and I, and I get that, you know, and this relationship that I built up with, hho and and tony and like i get i just i get so much um pride but yet also humility at the same time when, yeah. when i'm working with these because i just i want you know i want to promote them and i and i just love what they're doing and i'm 100 percent behind that and then yep. there's times where it hits me it's like you know well, like we made this connection with uh, minnesota made outdoors the ice fishing tournament league that i mean in nhho we put on an annual event or we get uh, a team of HHO members out and we have a little derby and it's super fun. It's like, nice. that's the event that, you know, the, and it's all volunteers from Minnesota main outdoors. You know, we give up a day of pre-fishing and we go and, you know, we basically guide these people in this, nice. this tournament. It's awesome. I absolutely love it. But at the end of the day, it's like, I'm just so uh, thankful and humble, like in this small little way that I can, show my gratitude for you know the people that yeah. that have sacrificed and you know made the sacrifice to be a service member and um, law enforcement personnel and active military you know it's like it's it allows me it, it's it's not lost on me you know it allows me to do this like i live yeah. in a free country i get to 
play around and talk to cool people and have great conversations and I get to fish competitively and I get to do all these things. And that all falls under the banner of that, that great flag. And, and so I just have a a huge amount, a huge amount of respect and it's, it's never lost on me. I hope it never does get lost on me. And I always look for ways to kind of give back. So when I, when I meet somebody like you and who has that kind of shared passion, shame, shared uh, direction, um, it gives it gives me hope because <laughs> there's yeah this world can be this world can be pretty nasty you know and well and it's the it's right at the heart of what I try to you know my my children are all adults and I try to always pass this and a little bit of wisdom on to them is that don't believe everything that you're you know I should say this don't think that everything you see online or you see on TV is the full story. Now, it's part of the story. I'll give you that. There's a narrative. There's part of a story going on right there. But there's more. And until you get your boots on the ground and get out there and see things and experience it firsthand, it's tough to grasp that. Serving others, serving your community is a great way to do that. Um, I I believe in that wholeheartedly. You know, the, the, the whole namesake of our organization of, the troop, there's a reason it's DBA. Um, when I went to the, the Missouri Warrior Bonfire Program event, we wrapped up and concluded the four days. The final night, where uh, these these warriors are all Purple Heart recipient, combat wounded veterans that I'm there with. <clears throat> there is uh, five of them. Uh, there, six of them. I'm sorry, six of them. The, there's the owner of the property and myself. Neither he nor I were our veterans. Um, he was the property owner that donated the property for this event. And I was there with uh, a source of humor for them and, <laughs> and some fishing, fishing fun. You know, I brought my boat, I brought the gear, you know, type thing. And I always tell people, you're either going to laugh with me or at me. One of the two things is going to happen here. So that's sounds like do. my business model. <laughs> that's right. Well, they're doing a bonfire ceremony where they retire a flag and each when they, when they uh, retire this flag, each of them takes a small uh, uh, bundle of the, the stripes. You have the red, white, and blue stripes. Um, and they uh, put these into the fire uh, to basically uh, pay tribute to fallen friends, uh, loved ones, people they want to honor. Each one of them has their own significance. Um, uh, embarrassingly, I don't remember each one of those uh, those pieces. So I'm not even going to try to say, but there's a significance to each one of them doing this. At the end, we get all done with the bonfire there. Each one of them kind of goes around the, around the bonfire. And they're just kind of saying their final thank yous to everybody for this awesome trip. <clears throat> and one of them, at the very end, gentleman, uh, very deep Cajun accent, he, uh, he stands up. He was a Bradley commander in uh, Afghanistan and he's thanking uh, everybody. And he looks over at the property owner and myself and he says, and you two gentlemen, you may not be veterans. He said, but I've never seen a finer example of true patriots ever in my life. Thank you for your time. And as I'm telling you this story, man, I'm getting goosebumps uh, for reals because that, that title being called a true patriot, I don't think it had ever really hit me. You know, it, it, it impacted me on more levels than I think what, than even what uh, he even realized. I sent him an email about a month later um, 
very long drawn out email just thanking him and trying to express and also to let him know that I filed for the DBA. We are now known as the true Patriot outfitters That's awesome. <laughs> because it was inspired. You know what I mean? And so that piece right there, it, it just really stuck. Um, and it was, it was one of, like I said, it's been right behind the whole motivation for us is that this is our chance to serve. Um, you, you spoke about the, what these folks have done, the sacrifice, two major pieces that I've learned is that the entire family serves. That's the same for veteran families, gold star families, and first responder families. The entire family serves, whether or not their spouse and children are part of right. that career or not, they're involved. <laughs> and number two, one example that I, I used to give uh, folks was you're standing in a room, someone runs in and says, there's somebody hurt out front. The average person, most people, the first response they give is, who is it? Your first responder, veteran community, their response is, where are they? Right. And it's a powerful example piece because they don't care who it is. Someone's hurt. They're there to serve. They're part of their community, and they go. You know, they're, they're running in where the rest of us are trying to get the heck out of there. And so, yeah, absolutely, man. If there's little things we can do by by giving them a day of of laughter and relaxation, and, and just by doing, you know, enjoying the outdoors, which there wasn't wasn't a time not too long ago where that didn't seem like such a big deal. But in today's digital world, post COVID, you know, getting outdoors that's a big deal. Yeah, for so sure. Anything and, we I mean, can do to provide that. And I get the whole goosebumps thing. Um, you know, this year at our HHO event, um, very quiet private kind of moment um tony testing uh, gave me a uh, challenge coin which i wasn't i didn't even really oh, wow. know what those were yeah exactly right. and so wow. he explained what it was i've done some more research in it and like i'm just <laughs> i'm dumbfounded like i and i haven't really this might be actually be the first time i've kind of went public with it because i just hold it like it just it just blows me away like all i did was connect them with minnesota made that's how I see it. Like I didn't really, right. um, I don't feel like I did a whole lot, but I do realize <laughs> that through that connection, a lot of great things have happened and I'm super thankful and, and super honored that I could play a small role in that. Um, but I don't know, I have a little, I have a little bit, if I'm being honest, I have a little bit of, of like a, um, imposter, um, syndrome going on right now. It's like, I don't right. really feel, feel like I deserve a challenge coin now that I know what goes in, you know, what that means. Sure. Um, but with we, that said, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I'm super thankful for it. Um, proud to be connected with them in any, yeah. at any level. And uh, I mean, Tony's just a stand up dude. I love that guy like a, like a brother. And, and he had, and yeah. speaking of the pandemic, I mean, hopefully he doesn't get pissed off at me for saying this, but he had a pretty tough bout with, uh, with the dirty Rona. Like he was in, he was in the right. ICU for a long time. Thankfully he got out of it. Uh, still has some residual effects. Um, yeah. I mean, he gave us, he gave us a pretty good scare, um, but crazy stuff. I don't know how, you know, I don't know that, how else to end that sentence. <laughs> no, that's, that's all right. Because I, I, I can, I can 100% uh, grab on board with you. There's, there's always that piece. And it's why I get, I will vehemently defend uh, against you know that stolen valor uh, type piece um 
I make sure anytime we're working with anybody, um, and I've literally, I'm not going to mention the company's name because it's just unprofessional to do so, but I literally had an organization request, this was within the last 45 days, request that we spend the year creating digital media with their company name next to us on all the work we do. Um, and then at the end of that year, we'll, we'll evaluate about a partnership of working together. And I was so dumbfounded by the conversation that I didn't respond immediately, which is probably a good thing. Probably, probably a, a good thing. A real professional response. <laughs> but that evening, you know, right before dinner, I'm sitting there and it starts landing on me what these jokers were asking me to do. Yeah. And I tell my wife, that's it. As soon as dinner's done, I'm, I am, you know, an email is going out because this is no and thankfully as usual my 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 wife is my best friend my better half my sense of reason she is my my universe and she flat out tells me she goes maybe you want to wait till tomorrow before you send that email she's she's very calm in her approach with me and i'm like no that's probably a good idea unfortunately i i was able to get everything all professional together by about 11.30 that night, but I knew there was no way I was going to go to bed. But yeah, it's it's organizations that want to piggyback off the sacrifice of others, and I just, I refuse that. But the guilt that you feel, you know, that imposter piece, mm-hmm. I can tell you what I found a home for it was, was motivator. It's like, okay, I am going to be worthy of, you know, anything that we do that we benefit from. I'm going to make sure that I'm trying to put in twice as much as I ever get back. Um, and it just, it's, to me, it's just a, it's a good motivator nonstop to keep working, um, and keep that going because, you know, as long as the body still wants to move and function, we're going to keep on, you know, trucking in that direction. Um, but yeah, you, you feel guilty because it's like, I didn't, I didn't do much, but I'll tell you, I've been told more times than not, and it's not to demean donations, but they say anybody can write a check. Not everybody's willing to to give their time Mm -hmm. and so that's why sometimes you just giving your time means so much well i think that's a good point um and and timely because of what i was just going to say it's like you know the first time we put on this event and you know we guided these two hho members and in this little derby that we do and, and it was great and then um, a lot of times, you know, they come there so thankful and appreciative of us giving us time and, and doing this for them. And then yep. a lot of times they'll give you some sort of token or gift. And it's like the very first time that happened, I'm like, why are you thanking me? Like, this is the whole point of this. Exactly. Is, the whole point of this is I'm thanking you. This is like, right. I'm doing this because thank you. I don't need, I don't, you don't need to do anything for me. It's like I feel like it's like. Well, now I have to do more. You gave me this. Now I have to do more for you. I gotta say thank you again. (laughs) You're killing me here. (laughs) We're gonna keep. I can do this all day. I'm just (laughs) exactly. It's like, oh man, now I gotta. Why'd you go and do that? (laughs) No, but I I love it. uh, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's uh, you. You do. You're like, ah. Come on now. <laughs> right now. Oh, you had to one-up me, didn't you? All right, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brian once told me, Brian Romans once told me something, and I'm just like, jerk, I'm not crying. You're crying. Yeah, exactly. His uh, contacts he, are getting really old. I just don't know what's going on. Yeah. He uh, he says, uh, he goes, he goes, I know you're not a veteran. He goes, but thank you for being a citizen, you know, and someone worth fighting for. And I'm Oof. like, dude, God stop that. Bless. That, <laughs> just, that just hit me. Like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, and so it, it truly, and again, though, that's the, that to me is what people, you know, they, 
they, we sometimes get disconnected about what's really out there. Um, that is the veteran community. You know, the, the reason most of the time these, these, these men and women are going through some struggles is because they, they don't want to be a burden. Um, they don't want to ever impose. They're used to providing the service and taking care of a situation. And so when, you know, civilian life kicks in, you know, sometimes it, it throws curveballs at them. And all of a sudden, you know, that they, they think that, you know, they, they either, one, they don't have a place, they don't have any, you know, uh, skills that, that, that can contribute. And it's the way I figure, man, it's like, you know, it's our job to remind them how much we appreciate them, how much we love them, how much they're needed and show them, this is where you're needed, man. You know, this is, these are the things we need you for. I mean, you know, that, that leadership, that ability to think on their feet, that quick response, the, the nerves of steel, you know, that's, that's still there in play, you know, and that's, you know, being able to tap into that for, into our everyday society is, it's pretty, pretty needed. We, yeah. uh, we try to stay focused on the positive side for the most of our, our digital stuff. I, I've said this before, if you don't already know why, you know, the, the, the help is needed, probably don't want to be listening to my podcast right. um, you <laughs> right. know go 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 read a book go read an article and understand because i'm not going to go through the negatives and the in the in the in the rough stories that's not what we're here for we're here to connect we're here to you know respect and provide you know some stuff that uh we're going to keep it positive you know through and through that's awesome dude i that's i'm right there right there with you with all of it um, let's let's pivot the conversation yeah. here uh, a little little less serious. Um, yeah. Th- so talk to me about so the kind of how we got connected here. Like I said, my buddy Jason Cushion and with this tackle, um, this yeah. company with this this Naco, this tungsten. Let's let's talk yep. about that a little bit. Let's give that the spotlight. Yeah, it's uh, it's well worth it. Um, I will say, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to preface this before we get going. Trust me, um, I'm not even sure I can fill my pickup on you know, the, the monies that, that the outfitters makes from these orders, just because <laughs> they're already so freakingly good priced. So, you oh, know, getting unreal. a deal with profit. Like, yeah. I wasn't know. sure, you know, and sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like when, no, no, when no, Jason first reached out to me and he's like, Hey, I got this buddy. He works in this thing. And you know, it's, it's affordable tungsten. I was like, yeah, I've heard that before. And then, so I was like, but I generally, if I like to promote my friends. And so if this is something that he, you know, was connected with in some way, shape or form. I was like, yeah, I'll throw a little order in, yep. you know, whatever. But then when he sent me the link and I followed the link and I was like, holy crap, this is actually really cheap. <laughs> like, yeah. Like how I'm to the point. I'm like, how is anybody making money on this? <laughs> but go ahead. So I'll let you continue. Yeah. So embarrassingly uh, admitted, I found them on Facebook. Um, one of the ads that I happened to come across and I saw this and I'm like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll bite, I'll click. So I click and no, no cookie, you know, blasting me this or that. It just took me right to makeoshop.com. So I check into them and this was early mid season or so last year. <clears throat> and we're getting ready to move from Minnesota uh, back here to Colorado. And so I'm thinking, you know what? I've got a little break in between tournaments here. I'm, I'm going to, you know, take a look at some of this because yeah, the first thing I saw when I saw this is like, that is some of the best price on tungsten I've seen yet. I mean, for real. And 
people that were reviewing it at their site, there wasn't a lot of people, but there was the people that were reviewing it were pretty impressed with it. Saw no bad reviews. So we ordered some. We got some in. Fished with it for, I want to say the last part of my season is about four months, um, and was blown away. It's like, look, this stuff's legit. I mean, it's not cheap wiring on the drop shot stuff, the skinny, you know, skinny or the teardrop. Um, there's no Mars or burring on the inside and, you know, insert, there's no, it's non insert stuff. Everything is polished really well. It's got the, the weights printed on it. The stuff's chip resistancy is, you know, off the charts for, for what I've seen. Um, and we were just, I was just blown away with it. So it's like, that's, you know, I'm in. And when we started to realize that we were going to start an online tackle uh, piece, it's like, this would be a great product to, you know, have to add in our, our mix here. So I opened up a channel with uh, the owners of NACO through email. Um, and it's kind of funny is because first thing in the morning is the end of business for them. Um, about 10, 11 o'clock at night for me is when they're getting to work because uh, they are literally in China. Um, so I reach out to them. We, we have a few conversations. We work out a dealer uh, agreement. Um, I am I am one of their first dealers uh, in the in the country. Uh, they they literally didn't really have an agreement deal. We just kind of negotiated some terms that worked. Now they have a dealer program in place. Um, excited to announce also they have a warehouse in Tennessee um, that is now going to be carrying a lot of their inventory. So it will oh, nice. improve the ship. Yeah, it's going to improve their shipping times. Um, there's rumor that they are uh, in conversation with one of the major um, leagues out here that, uh, you know, that might just blow them up and put them even bigger on the map. Um, so, you know, we'll see where that kind of stuff's going, but they still remain at, uh, at a great price. They just recently introduced their jigs. Um, I've never used them whatsoever. So I'm interested to, once we all get them in, cause I ordered a couple for myself at the same time. Uh, I'm going to test them out. Um, as I said, I'll say it on, on, on podcast as well. If they turn out to be junk, uh, send it back to me. We'll get fully refunded. Nako backs every one of the products 100% without oh, nice. question. Um, and, you know, I, I've had nothing but great experience with them. Like I said, from a business standpoint, you know, hey, man, when you're talking about a 10-pack of tungsten for 8 bucks, you know, I don't care if your dealer cost is 20% or 60%. That's still not a lot of dollars right there. No, it's, it's, it's kind it's of a, crazy cheap. As, as, I yeah. mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have super deep pockets, and I love tungsten. You know, the usability is great, but when yep. it comes to, like, well, I'm going to be fishing in a lot of rocks, I'm going to be losing, you know, especially with, like, jigs. It's like I know yep. I'm going to lose jigs. And do I want to use tungsten? Do I need to use tungsten? You know, like, right at that cost, like, every time I break one off, I lose 10 bucks. It's like, is that something I really want to do? And then when I saw <laughs> when I saw these prices, I was like, well, that's really not much worse than a regular retail cost of a lead jig. Exactly. So now, I now like the value, like it's a good value. Now it's like, well, yep. if I lose it, I'm I'm no more or less pissed off than if I lost a regular jig, <laughs> a regular <laughs> lead jig. So yeah, exactly. it's worth it now. <laughs> like you said, you as know, long as the quality's there, and I'll I'll be the same way. I mean, I'll be honest. If yeah. I try this stuff and I think it's garbage, I'll be the first one to say this stuff is garbage. You get what you pay for. That's yep. what I'll say. But the flip side of that coin is, if it's great, well, 
they're more likely going to yeah. get a lot of free promotion from me. <laughs> well, you know, in the way I look at it is uh, I know I'll put my name behind the standard tungsten weights because I've used them. I've seen them, uh, got them on hand uh, and I've, I've fished with them. So I, I know what, what I'm getting their best resource actually uh, featured them several times, did some one or two reviews on them. And literally one of the, the authors to their um, one of their articles he took the thing out in his driveway on the end of some fishing line and just slapped it on the cement, you know, umpteen times to check it's, you know, how it chipped, you know, the chip resistancy. Mm-hmm. And he said, comparatively speaking, it was just, you know, hands down way more chip resistant than the other stuff that he was, you know, testing at the same time. I didn't go that far. I can just tell you after using it, you know, so many times, you know, it's like I can still read the stamp on the side, which for my old eyes, that's awesome stuff. Well, that and really I'll say helps. that having the weights, uh, engraved or however they do it on those things is huge for me because i am um let's just say my organizational skills leave a lot to be desired (laughs) i may put stuff away in the right place the very first time like out of the package once i (laughs) once that comes off my line and i put something else on the chances of it making it back into the right compartment are slim to none it's not if it's, you're, it's not happening. If you're anything like me, the last thing to go in one of your cup holders in your boat is a cup. One hundred percent. Yep. I've got one cup holder that's stuff I'm gonna reuse, the other cup holder is stuff I'm gonna throw away. That, that, that's that's what the floor is for. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, it's great. Like it's not good. So especially with the tungsten having or any I'll say any weight, having yeah. that where I can just look at it and go, oh, that, oh, that's the weight I need. Okay, sweet. <laughs> well, you know, in the you, you said it best, man. It's like if we could use it and it's affordable, it's like healthy food, in my opinion. If it were affordable, I think we'd all be eating healthy. Oh, God, don't get me started yeah. on that rant. Right, <laughs> right. You know, so it's like the tungsten piece on the conservation side, absolutely. My understanding is, and I, I don't have 100% on this, I, I would love to be able to interview these these guys from NACO on, on the podcast, but timing, and I think there's a, a language barrier there, but thankfully for Google Translate, we work it out. <laughs> um, the, uh, the My understanding is it's a geographical benefit uh, where their manufacturing is located in proximity to one of the tungsten mines. They don't pay as much for transport as other companies do to get mm. that tungsten to them. So they can actually like, manufacture at a cheaper Sure. Cost, which allows them to extend that on to us. Now. Well, thankfully, who knows it's, it's, how long it'll last, but let's hope. Yeah. Well, and thankfully, <laughs> it's 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 like um, like a lot of different industries or uh, materials, however you want to say it. You know, tungsten is still relatively new to yep. the fishing industry. I mean, it's been out now for you know quite a few years, but relatively new, and so more and more companies are using utilizing it. Um, product, you know, and that's just that's economics 101 right overall right when it first comes on the scene it's pretty expensive just because it's supply and demand there's there's not that much supply so the price is going to be more so as that right. market gets a little more flooded and flooded and flooded overall the price should come down and i think we're seeing that um just in general but then yeah you're going to have on the very starting point you're going to have companies over there that are looking at ways to be competitive and you know, so being closer to the mines, if that's how they do it, less shipping cost, you know, well, and, one way and to let's, do it. 
you know, and I know I'm probably committing some career suicide with a couple brands out there when I say this, but that's okay. Um, I'm of an age that I, I believe more in truth in it. Let, let's be honest. There's only so much cost that goes into building, you know, certain things. Um, how is it then that we have, you know, is it truly a cost thing that makes one bait $25 when the same shape of another one is 12? Right. You know, it's like, no, there's, there's a cost, there's a, a supply demand, there's a competition factor. So to me, I love seeing a quality product like Nako Tungsten get into the market. And now the more we can flood this market with it, it's going to put pressure on its competition to fall in stride and not continue to jack the prices up on this stuff. Because like I said, I'm just sick and tired as an angler of turning around and I'm not trying to drop $500 on one stinking bait, man. Right. In, in, in order to have two sizes and a variation of colors, I'm $400 deep on a jerk bait. You know, and it's like, no way. <laughs> well, it's like, of, get out of here. Some of those swim baits, it's like, get. Oh, yeah. I'm always like, clearly you don't fish where northern pike live because you wouldn't I was dare. just going to say that, you yeah. I'd like to see these guys that. go up where there's pike and dogfish. <laughs> Let me see how quick you want to spend that money. I dare you to throw that in Minnetonka. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or any lake yeah. in Minnesota. I dare right. you. <laughs> I've had more... Uh, you know, and I could swear the pike, I swear to God, they sense the expensive ones. I'll throw oh. a $2 scum frog out and never see a pike all day. I drop one pad crasher up there at 10 bucks <laughs> a pop, and boom, that pike has shredded it in half, you know. It's, it's like, gone. Son of a... <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they know it, too. I've, ugh, yeah. God, I've been right. It's like, oh, there. there's the... There's the pricey one. Let's get that. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That that's like the very first thing I think of when I see some of these ultra expensive baits, like these custom crankbaits that people are getting into. You're like, dude. Yeah. Clearly, you live south of the Mason Dixon line because you don't have toothy critters. <laughs> There's not a chance. Right. No. There's coming in the form of gators. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> There's no way in hell I'm throwing a fifty dollar crankbait in any water no. in Minnesota. You're out of your mind. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. What else do we want to cover here? Before we, I know you got a, you still got a little bit of time yet. Sorry, I hope this yeah. coffee yeah, rapture sure isn't do. coming through too loud <laughs> through my microphone. I can hear it, but it's almost done. So it kind of distracted <laughs> me. Uh, so no on worries. your, so you, let's just talk about bass fishing tournament stuff. Yeah. Um, so what, um, what lakes do you have on your your schedule coming up this year? Yeah, so uh, this schedule we kind of handpicked. Uh, we did a little bucket list. Um, uh, I was, uh, I said something back on my podcast in November, and I got a few questions about it. And I, I put out a special little video to to make sure because I, I didn't, I, I said something without actually explaining a little bit further. And what my what I said was was that I don't care about the regionals on the BFLs. And I, you know, I came back out to amend that statement that I should have been a little more descriptive. Is that I. I care about the MLF. I believe it's one of the best pathways for those of us at my level that want to compete for some money, um, you know, out there. But what I didn't care about was setting my schedule up so that I was trying to reach the regional tournament. And the reason why is because for me, I'm traveling no matter how you paint it. Um, the first couple of years I, I played around in the great lakes division up there with fishes out of lacrosse three out of five times. Um, and, you know, we did that deal there, but it was mainly you're on the river four out of five. 
And I wanted a different experience because as, as I had told the buddies that I travel with, Jason being one of those guys, I'm not trying to be a great Minnesota Northern angler. I'm trying to be a good angler in general. So I want experience from Highland reservoirs. I want to see natural lakes. I want to see rivers. I want to see, you know, the, the lowland reservoirs. I want to, you know, I want this experience down south and across the country. So that's what led me down to the Ozark Division, having an opportunity to, to fish in these very high-profile lakes, Table Rock, Lake of the Ozarks, you know, uh, Grand Lake, Oklahoma. <laughs> these are, these are high-profile lakes. Big, big events go there. And I knew that was more important to me was picking up that traffic from those, you know, those, those very visible areas. That's what's going to drive more to my sponsors and drive more to my nonprofits. So this year we decided um, getting to the BFL level, this is what we, you and I were talking about prior. I, I don't mean disrespect about this, but nobody from a monetary business standpoint, nobody really cares about that. I'm not going to secure a, uh, a tournament providing sponsor endemically or non-endemically by going and having a good showing at a, at a BFL regional. It's just not going to happen. Where I'm going to have the best opportunity for that will be at the Toyota Series and above. Okay, that's mm -hmm. the reality of this. You know, if you can show well at the AAAs and you get your invite to the pro circuit, chances are you'll if you've conducted yourself properly leading up to that, you know, you might have a shot and then maybe. Oh, I, have but, to, I have to conduct myself properly. This is a problem. <laughs> it, it is a problem. I'll tell you for a lot of guys. It is. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Hold on. I didn't see the fine print. <laughs> they, they can't fight the social media urge to, you know, fire off sometimes. And I'm thinking, Oh goodness. Yeah. You know, realize we, you know, people are watching. <laughs> so anyway, we, we, I knew that, the way you qualify for a regional, the reason this became an, an issue is that um, to do that, you need to fish in one division. I didn't want to waste um, budget money, if you will, because each one of these events is roughly, you know, it's over a thousand dollars for me to between gas, hotel, mm -hmm. um, and that's if I if I really uh, bargain shop. You know, I'm staying in some places that I would not have my wife stay with me at, at the hotel. Um, you know, I'm just, hey, as long as it's clean, there's nothing, no bugs or anything, and it's safe for my boat, I'm good to go. Clean That's, is a relative term. It is. It is. It doesn't have to be new. Um, you know, at least hot or cold needs to be running. One or the other, I'm okay with. Right. Right. Um, but, yeah, so at the end of the day, that's, you know, these – so each one of these events that we, we booked, it's like, you know, hey, this is budget money. So I, we decided to build our own kind of wish list, if you will. And so that's what we did for this season. Uh, we're going to start it off Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, that's coming up on the 12th. Uh, super stoked for that. I'm um, ready to go play that. Uh, you know, I can't really put my finger on whether or not it's going to be a pre-spawn game or if it's still a winter game. Mm -hmm. Don't know. Um, there's a lot of cold going on down there right now. Mm, yeah, yeah, um, there is. And so that just, you know, there's also something uh, I'm probably giving away the one of the secrets, but there's something in these Highland reservoirs that I've learned about the past two years. And that is, um, depending on the kind of winter you have, you'll hear some of these guys from these areas. They'll, they'll, they'll make a statement. Is it a shad year or a crawfish year? Mm. And what they're referencing is basically with that, what's going to be the primary forage. Right. If it, I, now, I'm guessing if it gets real cold, 
and and I'm yeah. I probably should just let you speak on this, but um, no, no. if it gets real cold, there's maybe a shad die off, and they yes, transition to crayfish. Well, and there's you know then yeah now you get into that conversation with the shad die off, you're going to get more sink into the bottom. So what are they eating on? Are they eating more crawfish or are they eating more shad at that point? Are they picking them off? You know as they're coming mm, down. Sure. So yeah, you got you got to figure it out. But really, at the end of the day, that's what you're talking about. If you're talking about matching the hatch, it's going to be one of those two. That's their primary forage, and so you know whether or not they're chasing the bait or not, that'll be you know who knows. A lot of that'll depend on you know the temperatures at that point. So we'll we'll see when we get there. Um, yeah, well, I love at, that area. MLF is just at Lake Fork, and they're uh, crushing the giants. I think they're pre-spawn down there. Oh yeah, yeah, the Texas area down there for yeah. sure. Oh, they were. Awesome. There were some there were some monsters getting uh, getting yanked up, um, but yeah. So I, you know, we'll uh, we'll hit that one. I love Missouri. I love uh, the Ozark area, the people, the the scenery. Um, it's really nice to go to an area where they love anglers. Um, is it's kind um, of funny. Is Wachita on that list? Wachita. Lake, Lake Wachita must not be. Mm-mm. Mm, I I nope. didn't get to fish it, but I, I we. Uh, I vacationed to um, oh, Hot that's Springs, Arkansas. Arkansas, yeah, Hot Springs. Well, it's like yeah. on the south side of the the Ozark Mountains. Well, they're actually called Watchtown yep. Mountains, but it's basically like to me, it looks like the same range. But yep, um, yeah, but it's, yeah all, it's, it's all it's all Ozark Lakes. That would be in the Arky Division, though. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I'm fishing out of the, um, the this event is out of the Ozark Division, but yeah, the Arky Division. I think they go there. Yeah, that, <laughs> but I, yeah, so. It's a beautiful lake. The only reason I say it is just I once I saw it, I was like, I need to fish this lake. At some point in my life, oh, yeah. I'm fishing this lake. This lake looks amazing. <laughs> you know, and it's when you when you when you get dialed in, it can be amazing. Um, but it's it's I'll definitely say it's it's its own brand of fishing. When you're coming from other areas of the country, just like when guys get up north, um, you know, it's. Fishing natural lakes is a different bird as opposed oh, to man-made. Man. You know? Well, I just, you know, in talking to people, they're like, you know, they start talking about fishing the grass. And you'll get a lot of, like, the Florida anglers will talk about that. But, you know, you're yep. Missouri, Arkansas, Texas. You know, there's not even something like the Carolinas. There's not hardly any weeds in those lakes in the Carolinas. They're run by the power company. They literally actively kill weeds. Um, so it's like, <laughs> it's just like, it's a totally different thing. It's like, what I'm always like, what are you talking about? There's weeds everywhere. <laughs> like fish in the grass. Yeah. What, what do you mean by grass? You mean, you mean cabbage? You mean milfoil? Do you mean right. <laughs> coontail? What do what, what are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah. And about that time, a lot of those guys that have only fished down in, in that area of the country, they're glassing over. They're going, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> there's, like, there's yeah, times no, where you need, you need to know, because I've, I've seen it multiple times in you know summertime pattern in minnesota you'll get you know like a d uh weed line bite or a weed bite and it's a very specific you know they're the cabbage all looks great the milfoil all looks great but for whatever reason those bass are you know you need to find an isolated clump of coontail and that's what they're yep. keying in on for whatever reason and so you need that to be pattern. able to yeah you need to be able to you need to know what the different weeds are and what they look like on your graph it's the pattern within a pattern uh, type scenario. And that plays out on these Highland reservoirs quite a bit. You know, when, when you find them, you know, associating with certain types of uh, rock transitions or points, um, you know, it's within that point though, you know, you're going to have a different type of uh, structure or, or a, a different type of uh, 
uh, incline? Is it a rapid, you know, dropping? Is it the end of a channel swing? There's a lot that goes into yeah. it that we as you know bass anglers probably overcomplicate it. But well, you know, I mean, you're, you're, the you're devil, trying to find it. The devil's in the details, right? Like, um, right. And, and I use right. this. I use this that saying or analogy in in the hunting world too. Anything that's going to make yourself more successful is like when you find something that's working. It you have to you have to take in as much information as possible. You know, and th- and that's literally Quickly. everything from yeah. water depth, water clarity, water temperature, available cover, weeds, rocks, sand, mud. I mean, wind direction. It literally every little nuanced thing that you can add to that list is going to help you. Then pattern it down, and then you can apply that to everywhere else on the lake, and that's going to make you more successful on any given yeah. day. It's easier said than done. You know, because it's right. it's a lot to be aware of, but you know it comes with experience. Well, and especially with this time of year, you know, it's like every every couple hours that pattern's going to change up on you. You know, sure, it's, right? They don't hang out for too long, especially when you're playing with the smallies, as nomadic as they are. And you know, so yeah, you you just try to take it as much in and, and work it while you can, and hopefully that you know you guess a little better than the next guy. So. Yeah, and that's that's it. That's pretty much what it comes down to, right? Who can who makes the best real-time decisions and can roll with the yep. changes. That's, that's a hundred percent it. Our, sure. uh, our next stop after Ozarks, we're heading to a bucket list place. I've never been to before, but I'm so excited to go there is Sam Rayburn. Ooh. Um, getting a chance to get down there on big Sam and, uh, and fish that, uh, for some Southeast Texas bass. <clears throat> we'll be there April 2. Uh, so I'm excited about that time of the year, uh, getting a chance to get down there. Um, Biggest danger down there, depending on, on water levels, is just uh, deadheads in the water. Stumps, you know, there's, yeah. Uh, there's areas down there that guys are notorious for ripping their low-end units off. But Yikes. I've been known to be very um, cautious with my boat. Uh, I've got a 2020 Nitro Z21, and I, I baby the thing. I'll idle you know, for two miles if I need to, if I'm, if it's unknown, you know, what's in there. Well, I think until that's, I I think that's smart. Yeah, yeah. I just am not interested in three to five grand. No. And especially with supply chains right now. I'm not interested in how long it's going to be with my boat out of commission. No, I just Too don't many... have, I don't have that much blind faith. Like I'm going to need to at least yeah. one time, you know, idle chart a path through it. And then once yeah. I've navigated it, you know, and I have a, I have a, um, you know, a squiggly line on, on my electronics <laughs> that I can follow, then I may be slightly more apt to get up on pad and run it. But even then yep. I'm probably going to be nervous. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. There's a pucker factor. I, last year I fished, uh, or was it, was it last year? No, it might've been the year before that I fished Truman and that's kind of notorious Truman reservoir. It's connected right to Lake of the Ozarks, just a little bit West of it. And it's notorious for being, uh, you know, a lot of deadheads, a lot of stumps in it. And there was a, an arm that stretched up that you're literally going through a minefield up there. And it took two times of me idling it before I felt comfortable. And even then when I'm up on pad, and, you know, hanging out at 30, 35, I'm still, you know, pucker factor the whole way through the thing. You know, just don't hit anything. Don't seen, hit anything. I've seen, videos, I've seen videos of people on like pool four and five, you know, down by lacrosse or Wabasha and all that. And they're running these these channels that on full clip and i get that you can yeah. do it when you're on pad and you can't do it if you're not because you're you know you're drafting more but it's just like holy yeah. God, like pucker factor for me watching it i'm like oh my god <laughs> you're going through that full speed oh shit. sandbar incoming <laughs> sandbar yeah. close dam i mean oh my god i mean yeah oh but obviously yes. they've gone through there 
at least I hope they've gone through there uh, slowly, and they're doing that because they know and they have the confidence that they can do that. But well, you know, in these supply chain issues with, with mechanic shops and stuff, it really changes it up even further. It's crappy to say that, but what used to be an insurance claim, you know, three, four grand later now is not only that, but it's a four or five grand maneuver and it could be eight to 12 weeks. I was going to say time. That could be a season killer. I mean, you, you're, and that is, I mean, yeah. you're done. Like, you don't, I mean, <laughs> this boat goes out of commission. I've got a lot of people that are counting on us to be at these locations. Right. You know? so, Absolutely. Now, plus, uh, you know, the boat's going to go up for sale. Um, and the last thing that I want, you know, anybody that's around me or, or you know, people that know me, I don't want them to, you know, think somehow that I just, you know, haven't taken care of this thing. Um, you know, it's people that do know me and have seen it around and have seen the videos. They know that I, I baby this thing. It's garage kept. Um, and I'm literally after every event, we're rinsing the thing out the whole nine, you know, flushing the motor out. Cause I, I do play in the shallows quite a bit. So, um, we're always trying to take care of it and just don't rip your gear up. I learned that from one of the best in the business, Mr. Edwin Evers. You watch that guy at any one of those events. Um, I literally, the event that I was marshalling at, while everybody else was prepping gear and getting everything done, uh, Mr. Evers already had that done. And he was literally with a wash rag wiping down his mercury while we're all staging and getting ready for you know takeoff. He's wiping down the mercury, getting the water stains off. Oh. And I'm like... This is a pro, man. This guy yeah, knows he's there to represent Mercury. <laughs> oh, exactly. It's like that's not ninety-eight percent of us out there. You know, I'll do that when I get home. But you know, this guy, he's he wants the, he wants his equipment looking good. He wants it sharp. He, you know, he's going to represent them. I'm on the extreme you know, end of that spectrum. Uh, I, I always yeah. say, like, I I'm the guy that you should I you should be paying me to be on your R and D team. And in that team, I'm the guy that you give the product to. Like we need to know the limits of the durability of this product. You give it to me. <laughs> if I can't break it in a weekend, you got a tough some bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, that's that's gonna be the thing. Well, I know you got some stuff to do here coming up. Um thank you very much yeah. for your time. This was great. We will need to stay in touch for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. More well, willing to uh, be like on to. your podcast. Um, I was going to say, I'd like to extend that invite as well officially. That uh, let's get that scheduled let's... up. I do. Uh, I do a little bit different. I do it in a Zoom call. Um, That's fine. Uh, oh, I'll have to put yeah. makeup on and wear pants. All right, got it. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll just keep the camera up and all honesty. <laughs> I prefer that no matter makeup or not. <laughs> I suppose. Uh, yeah, we'll get we'll get something uh, scheduled on that for sure. Uh, I'm definitely putting you in touch with uh, Hometown Hero Outdoors. I have a feeling yes, please. that will be a good uh, – I think you guys are going to jive really well. Um, well, listen, man, I want to thank you from, from all of us here at TPO and, of course, Roman's Warrior Foundation. Thank you guys so very much for you know listening to our mission. Uh, for, for buying the NACO weights, uh, support along that. And uh, just know we're, we're here. Anything we can do, looking forward to working with those guys, you know, there. And hopefully um, I'll be up in the Wisconsin uh, lacrosse and Wisconsin area here a couple of times for a couple of events this year. So uh, look you up there. Maybe we get a chance we can get out fishing, man. That would oh, be awesome. that would be, that would be amazing. I'm definitely down for that. If I'm not also fishing a tournament or something, any of those yeah. times, but um, if you got any social medias you want to blast out there, go ahead and, and say it now. And then you can just like, just email me a link to all that stuff and I'll put it in the show notes. 
Yeah. No, you know, our, our two biggest, uh, you know, supporters right out the gates, Vicious Fishing, uh, they, they came on board with us this year. And uh, when the owners found out what we were doing, he wanted to step it up. I've been with Vicious for a few years. Um, I kind of was in transition last year. And so this year we kind of renewed that relationship with him. Greg and that entire family over there is an amazing group of people. Um, we're with them more than just the fact that they have, you know, kick-ass fishing line it's just it's a great company and they're great people running it so vicious fishing is somebody we've uh, we've certainly appreciated and then of course um, uh, shields colorado uh, they have ponied up in so many cases for our special events that we have we're not we're not sponsored by shields on any on any level um, but they every time we have a special event working with veterans working along the way shields uh, throws something in the hat and uh, throw some swag at us. Uh, they've actually uh, going to make it possible so that uh, for each one of the events that we, when we take out a, a first responder veteran, they're donating a rod and reel combo, a pretty decent, you know, thing retails for about a hundred bucks sixty. Um, it's a fluger reel on it. I mean, it's a it's a nice setup here, and we're going to be able to not only can they fish with it for the day, they're going to take it with them. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, and so it's Shields, Colorado, out of Johnstown, Colorado. They've they've done a phenomenal job with us. And then, of course, just our nonprofits: Allegiance Ranch, uh, Romans Warrior, uh, Operation Equine, and then uh, the Warrior Bonfire Program. Those are our main ones we work with. We have some others: uh, Wolfpack Support Services we work with. Um, but uh, nevertheless, those are our main ones. So that's great. That I'd love, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that wall sometime too. Uh, maybe something oh, happen. Man. We can get that thing drug out to Minnesota. Maybe at a at a HHO event. Mm, Minnesota made outdoors. Um, mm, yeah, just, we're, just we are always open. We're always <laughs> open to collaborating. Um, you know, with municipalities. Sometimes the VFWs and American Legions can help lead to uh, some donators. Um, I'll get with you uh, off air about you know normally what we. Uh, what we have in donations to get us up there because it's we do need uh, a substantial amount of uh, room things about 120 foot long uh, we got an rv and a triaxle trailer that's pulling this thing into into town um and then yeah but i'm actually trying gonna consider trying to get it up into the rochester area as well um, i still have some connections there in rochester minnesota so i'm gonna see what we can do about getting it up there so yeah that'd be awesome if we do a yeah. joint effort with you guys up there that'd be super that cool. would be exciting heck yeah Thank you. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We will be chatting, I'm sure. Yeah, I love it, dude. All right, thanks so much for your time. This is great. We will definitely uh, do it again. All right, buddy. All right, take care. Take care.